Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. We're honored and privileged that you would join us. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have an exciting guest with us today. She is an ego management expert, a speaker, facilitator, contributor to Forbes Coaching Council, and founder of Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. And she has 19 years of experience in sales, recruiting, and leadership development. And for the last decade, she's worked with current and upcoming leaders from fast-growing organizations, including Airbnb, Twitter, Movement for Life, Sunrun, and Oakley. Those are awesome. Welcome, Christy Garcia. Thank you, Steve. I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate uh, the invite. Oh, you bet. We're going to have a good visit today. Christy builds programs that help individuals and teams maximize their impact through self-awareness, ownership, communication, alignment, and accountability. And one of Christy's superpowers is helping her clients identify and manage their ego in real time. Her clients build authentic confidence so that they can communicate more effectively, maximize their impact within their professional teams, and personal relationships. So I've been looking forward to this. So much of this applies mm-hmm. to becoming your best. Absolutely. And, doesn't it? Like And, and being a highly successful leader. So it'll be fun to talk about this, Christy. Well, let's start off today, if you don't mind. Tell us about your background, including any turning points uh, in your life, and especially how did you get into what you're doing today? Oh, well, there's been so many turning points, but yeah, let's talk about the relevant ones of why I'm here in front of you. So I was originally started my career in uh, medical sales as a recruiter originally, and then got into the actual sales component of it. And after about seven, eight years, I started to see the, the patterns. Really amazing individual contributors were kicking booty in their territories, getting all this praise, all this recognition, and they get promoted into management. And for some reason, they would go backwards in their career for two or three years. And it was just a struggle. And I kept wondering, what is that? I knew I didn't want to get into management, but I didn't really know why. And eventually I finally realized, you know what? The gap is that training component. You know, they do so much skill training and so many things of how to be a good leader or how to communicate or how to do this or how to do that. But it's pretty, you know, turnkey. And I realized the human component was missing. And so I started training as a life coach that point, it was a little woo-woo. This is, you know, 12, 15 years ago when it wasn't quite cool yet. 
And it was more just getting started in that space. And I recognized it as one, my own individual growth needed to happen, but I was missing the business side of it. And eventually I realized, okay, I can actually apply this into business. This is where we have to bring humans back to the organizations. We have to get humans back to leadership training and build that self-awareness, help people recognize how do I go from I win to we win? How do I help people get from I have to be right to we all have to be right in order to get to the finish line? And so really teaching people about that ego. So got some language around it and really started to build out programs to kind of fast forward people's leadership development in those early years of management. It started out as kind of, you know, taking leaders from growing in that first six months and getting them up and going so that they could be successful immediately versus, you know, those two, three, four, five years of trial and error and hoping for the best, usually dealing with some turnover or just a lot of stress and overwhelm. So once we got there, then I really had to go through my own journey first. I started my business before I left corporate America and had my own 30 foot fall. And what I think was the the real big validation of the ego work for me is when I got to see my own ego in real time. And just to clarify for your audience, I'm not referring to the ego when we think of the loud, arrogant person in the room, you know, the person that we refer to as a jerk or a narcissist. I'm really referring to the ego as the unconscious brain. We all have one. It's those unconscious habits, behaviors, and beliefs that really sabotage our good intentions, how we show up, how we communicate, how we build relationships, how we see success, and how we perceive hard work. It's really everything we do is perceived through that ego first. And so through that lens, I got to see myself in real time. Just to rewind for one second, the one thing I was always the most scared of in my uh, sales position, I would walk through the hospitals and as I would take my breaks, I would end up going into different rooms when people were sitting there dying or sick by themselves. I never understood that process coming from a big family. Like, how could you be here by yourself? And the most common thing I heard was, I worked so hard or I put all my time into my business and I never really, you know, spent the time with my family or I, you know, worked so hard to give my family everything they they needed, but I never was there and they were gone by the time I retired. Whatever it was, it always came back to, I didn't take care of the people side of my life, took care of my career, my success, and the people were forgotten. And by the time it mattered, it was too late. And that really... That really hit home for me. One, I could relate to it. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur, so he worked really hard. And I could see that my mom was a really hard career woman as well. And I think most importantly, I was that at that time. I'm now almost 30 at this time. And I was thinking, wow, I could see how this could happen to all of us. But so now to fast forward back to my reality was I was walking one morning, walking my dog down the street. It's going to take him for a walk before work. And I got locked out of my apartment complex and went upstairs to see if my friend could help me get back in. She watched my dog. We went through her fire escape and that morning changed everything. I literally fell through my fire escape, three floors and had that moment of, aha, life needs to change. <laughs> Thank you God survived. I was fine. You're, you're still here. I survived. And, you know, miraculously, I think this is where learning to trust God's plan is way bigger than mine. I walked away. Really, I was in the hospital for about four hours and I had five stitches more of an ego crisis than a physical crisis. So it was it was really interesting though, because for about two weeks, I never cried. I was more annoyed. It slowed me down. I had to rely on people to help take care of me. I was a pretty independent woman, took care of myself. About three weeks later, my coach was on the call with me and she said, what's wrong? You know, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. You know, I had this fall. It was kind of crazy, super annoying. I haven't been able to work for the last few weeks. 
And that was really all I said. And she thought I was a lunatic, right? So she's like, okay, how are you? And one more time I said, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm just, you know, ready to get back to life. And then she asked a third time, how are you? And I lost it. You know, I, I had this crazy cry that I've never experienced in my life. I call it the most expensive cry of my life. Um, so I paid this woman to just sob for 15 minutes. And, you know, in that moment, though, it was this really interesting reality check that I didn't even realize how unfulfilled I was. I was really happy. I was satisfied with my job. I loved my career. And then all of a sudden I realized this unconscious brain is taken over though. It's made me think that this is all life is. And once I had to stop, I realized my relationships were not shallow, but they weren't meaningful because I was emotionally unavailable. And so I had to re redesign my life. I was turning 30. I had not dated in 10 years because I was just traveling the world, living the dream, building my career. You know, I wanted a family. I wanted to have a home. I wanted to do all these things that I just wasn't building space for. And, you know, the story was always like, oh, I'm just living. Life's going to bring it all to me. So that moment I realized I was, I was scared of these mostly men at the time, 60 plus men, you know, in the hospital rooms by themselves. I was like, wow, women are going to be there too. It's no longer just the man working. These are women that aren't having children. They're not building families because they're working so hard in their career. And that was a really big changing point. So I started to buy a home. I left corporate America six months later. And here we are trying to bring humans back to business and really transform leadership through ego management. Thank you. And yeah, 30 feet, that's a, that's a big fall. <laughs> it was a, a, a life-changing fall for sure. <laughs> Incredibly blessed. So let's talk about what that has to do with ego mm -hmm. and what you've learned about that. And thank you for the brief background on the description of what kind of ego you're talking about. I'd like to have you go into that just a little bit more. Yep. Why is ego so important? And it does have a big impact, it sounds like, from what you're describing this as in every area of our life, our personal and relationships and professionally. So do you mind taking Absolutely. a little more time on that and what you've seen and how can this be helpful to someone? So, you know, the ego, again, it's the unconscious habits, uh, mindsets and beliefs that really dictate our actions, our thoughts, our conversations, our decision making, how we show up every single moment of every single day. 99% of the time, we're unconsciously going through the motions and we're just kind of hoping for the best. That means 99% of the time, our ego is making decisions. With that being said, our ego is both our strengths and our weaknesses. So it's not always a bad thing. Our success today is given to us because of our ego. At one point, our ego is what drove us to be a, a successful individual, to build a career that we're living, to get to the top. The problem is once we start building those relationships, having a family, running teams, running an organization, whatever your, your roles are, your leadership hats are that require people to get to the finish line with you, that's when the ego starts to get in the way a little more because it's eye-driven. And so if you're not conscious, then it can often put everybody on their own island, create distance or resentment or blame or judgment within your decision-making or within your conversations. And I think the biggest thing for leaders is if you're not conscious of your ego, your ego is running your business 100%. Now, again, it's not always bad, but when it is bad, it impacts it and it impacts your employees, it impacts your customers and the decisions you make. Whether that is through, you know, there's three different ego types. There's the complier ego, which is the, the you know, people first, task second. So it's the 
the caring, warm, inviting individual, the one that puts people priorities over task priorities. We need that trait. Unfortunately, what happens with that trait, if you overuse that ego, it's hard to hold people accountable. You don't always get to the goals because you don't want to, you know, push people too hard or you don't want to burn people out or you don't want to, you know, so it has all these reasons why you can't push. Now, all that is relevant, but there's a balance to that, right? Recognizing when do you go along to get along or not speak your truth because of other people's feelings. Um, the opposite side of that chart is the controller. The controller ego is, you know, they want to win. They want to be the best. They're driven by results and success. Incredibly competitive. They are motivating and inspiring and they really get results. They climb the ladder fast. They prove that they can um, have worth and value through their success. Unfortunately, with that model, you're always chasing ghosts. Things are not always good enough. And so you're always striving to be better. You're always looking for, you know, that perfect answer, that perfect thing. And fulfillment is really hard to achieve and find in that mindset. It also can lead to micromanagement. When you feel out of control, you start to over control. And so again, knowing when are you putting the task before the people. And then you've got the protector, which kind of balances both out with the grounded integrity, high authenticity, high truth, values. They like facts. They do the right thing for everybody. Very fair. They love deeply. Lots of in-depth empathy and care. Unfortunately, with that comes a very black and white uh, mindset. They're motivated by being right. That's where they get their worth and value. But unfortunately, when you have that extreme, like I have to be right, it becomes very black and white. If, I ha- if I'm not right, I'm not worthy. And so there's constant internal battle that sometimes makes them confrontational, makes them stubborn, makes them very emotionally driven. So they either are emotionally charged and aggressive or they're emotionally charged and passive. And so that's where the protector can kind of start to sabotage their relationships through that emotional response. How does a person, Christy, develop a healthy, balanced, optimal ego that serves them best? What's your recommendation? How do do we do that? So I think the biggest thing is self-awareness, self-awareness and ownership. In a perfect world where our best self shows up, we use each ego about at 33%. We can pull the strengths of the complier, protector, and the controller That's our best self. It feels good. We get to look ourselves in the eye and say, you know what? I held my integrity. I did my truth. And I can stand by what I did, even if everybody's not happy. And so I think that's where we're most honest with ourselves. So self-awareness is knowing what is your ego? Where do you, where do you fall short? What's your worst self look like? And then taking true ownership of it. You know, I think a lot of times people are aware of their bad traits and their worst self, but they don't really own it. So it's more of the the passive ego, like, oh yeah, I was a jerk. I'm sorry. Let's move on from it. Versus like, wow, I was a jerk and this is the impact it made. And this is what I want to make sure I don't do next time. And I apologize for that. It's just being more intentional. So self-awareness and ownership, I think those are the two biggest ones to then start the ego management process. All right. That's good. So self-awareness, being aware of where you are at the time and deliberately balancing your behavior based on what's needed in these three, right? Like complier, controller, protector. Correct. Yep. Being just intentional. How do you want to show up? What is your next thought, action, or belief? What's your perspective, Christy? What are the most maybe important parts of an ego that we should cultivate? The most important part, I think it's really identifying your truth. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. If you know your truth, if you know your 
your values, if you know your stance and not the ego stance, not the one like I have to be right or I have to win, but like truly genuinely at the end of the day, when you're 90, you can look back and say, I got no regrets. That truth of yours, if you can get in tune with that, when you can have authentic confidence around that, that's really where you're going to start balancing everything else out. But you have to build that authentic confidence around yourself and your own truth before you can truly do that. And that's really where the ego is driven by our insecurities, our emotions, the things we can't control. And so the more you can really start to trust, trust the process, trust, you know, the plan is bigger than you. And then trusting yourself, you're capable to handle any of it. So, you know, show up and take it as it is. Sounds to me like humility also is a pretty big part of this. Humbleness and humility. Absolutely. You know, that's the real part and vulnerable part of all leadership. Yeah. How does ego sabotage our happiness and our success? Is that That's a great question. Absolutely. And that's its number one tactic. Whether it is sabotaging, let's say we're a business place, right? You're busy. You're, you don't have enough time. By the end of the day, you're not feeling accomplished. You're stressed out because your team's not taking on more. That's a tactic that the ego creates. One, most likely you're not delegating. You haven't learned how to trust that other people are capable of doing just as good of work as you are, either because you haven't learned how to train effectively, or you don't trust that you can let go of that control and it's all going to be fine. Right. And so I think recognizing, are you a controller that needs to be in control because you don't trust the team and their capabilities? Or maybe you're a protector. You haven't learned to communicate the details. And so you do these high level drops. It's like, Hey, I need this done. You forget about it. It's off your plate. And then a week or two, three weeks later, you're like, oh no, John didn't give me that thing. And now you go in and you fire drill John, where really you had no accountability either, but now you expected John to have accountability. So again, it's kind of that, this morning I ran a workshop. It's the integrity, the discipline and the accountability component for all of us. Do you practice what you preach or do you do as I say, not as I do, because you're allowed to drop the ball, but your team is not. And so I think really being able to recognize Where do you need to step into your leadership to hold yourself accountable before you can start to take, make everyone else accountable? And that's the ownership component. The first conversation I have with every leader is, you know, they'll start to tell me all their problems, but the reality is, is what's your part of that? Where can you own your part in the struggles, the situations and the problems that are happening? Most people naturally want to start blaming everything external of why things aren't working out. So that ownership component is so great, whether it's 1%, 47%, or 99%, you cannot accept all 100% because there's other people involved. And so making sure you only take your part on. So are you saying that sometimes it's easy for us (laughs) to see other people's ego and, (laughs) and get a little critical? So how do we stay focused on our ego, which arguably has the biggest impact of our success of anything we do. Absolutely. You can't change others. You can only change your own approach, which can change how others show up. That's the motto of the Leadership Academy. You know, I think the biggest thing is that self-awareness component. Once you're conscious and you're intentionally starting to build that, that ability to be more aware, you know, again, unconsciously, we're 95% of the day, you're unconsciously going through the most. So if you can start to get decrease that percentage to where maybe you'll get down to 90% or 75% you're unconsciously going through the motions. Now you can actually be more intentional, right? You can start catching yourself in those awareness moments. When I start judging, when I start blaming, when I start gossiping, when I start accusing, 
I'm an ego mindset. I need to take a step back and own my part. Now, we've been talking about affect, marriage, parenting, and really intimate relations as well. How does that fit in? The ego impacts every relationship we have. What I love about this work the most, I take it into the business avenue, but sometimes the most rewarding wins are the ones when people start to be a better parent because they start showing up for things. They start prioritizing the things that really matter. When you can start to balance the people and the tasks, you can do it all. You can succeed at home and you can succeed at work. A lot of times the ego makes us compartmentalize. So maybe this year we're going to really focus on family and it's going to be great with the family year, but then you're going to have some guilt at the end year because you're like, man, I dropped the ball at business. I was just really focused on this part of my life. And so the next year they really focus on business and they put all their energy into that. And it becomes this kind of roller coaster ride. You're always having to fix something where when you can just learn to balance and trust and show up in all avenues, it really does help. But I think the biggest thing for family relationships, personal relationships is the communication component that comes with ego management. The ego is triggered by emotions. Our family are the ones that trigger our emotions the most. We're mostly invested in those relationships. And so being able to take a step back, recognize what are my actual feelings here. Too often when we're hurt, when we're sad, when we're scared, we come across as angry. We come across as frustrated. We come across as upset. And in reality, if we can turn that language into something that is more about fear or disappointment or something that's relevant that we can actually talk through, now you can actually have productive conversations at home. You can find more patience. You can find more empathy in your relationships with your kids, with your partners, whatever it is that just allows that vulnerability and that trust component to really skyrocket. And it just allows more peace and enjoyment of that part of your life bringing that ego home is really, really common. One of the most common things I hear about six weeks into the academy is, oh, wow, my family is the worst part of me all the time because you're tired, you're worn out at the end of the day. There's so much going on. Everybody's busy. And then you have a tired family that you have to deal with. So we all have to bring our best self to that. But it takes some rallying. It takes that conscious ego management to walk through that door and bring your A-grain for the next you know, three to five hours before everybody goes to bed. Well, it sounds to me like you really want to be conscious of having the complier element, the controller element, and protector to get the best results. It sounds like that's what you're saying. And to be really aware of it and not just focus it in business, but this is part of our whole psychic. And what we want to do is know what we're about, like you mentioned, and what our values are and what's important to us, and then use these tools, this conscious force that I think I hear you describing in the various areas of our life to create happiness and success. Absolutely. Ego management really is just about giving yourself choice. You are in charge. You have a choice to stick with the mood you're in. You have a choice to make the decisions you're making. You have a choice to change your behaviors. And I think too often we fall victim to our circumstances. We fall victim to our life, our businesses, our situations. And that is an ego-driven mindset that really just starts to hold us back and sabotage the really good things in life that are right in front of us that we're just not willing to see because that ego is running our show and it likes the negative, it likes the drama. Okay, well, that's good. So it doesn't have to control you. Is that what you're saying? No, if you learn to control your mind, that's the best ticket. Otherwise, someone or something else will. Yep. (laughs) Great job. Well, it's 
been so fun. I, I'm just amazed how fast these interviews go. And any final tips that you'd like to leave with our listeners today, Christy? Yeah, take a moment. Make sure you get conscious with yourself. As a leader, especially in today's world, we need conscious, intentional, self-aware leaders that can take full ownership. If we start to teach the top that, we can truly start to transform our cultures, our families, our businesses, our communities, just through ownership in general. You know, we are in a world of survival and blame, and ownership is the only way out. Okay, good. Good advice. Uh, I love that. Be accountable, take responsibility, and and work on the good outcomes. So how can people find out about what you're doing? I run Mindful Choice Leadership Academy, and we put organizations through it top down. We also have a mastermind group for founders. That's our newest project, which is very exciting. And any kind of workshop series just to help people bring communication, alignment, accountability back to their teams, bring more of that human side to their conversations, changing the conversations that it's not just task oriented, but building a culture around the people and really investing that side of your business and growth is really where I think this next generation of success is going to come from, especially in these virtual environments. If you're not, you're not giving people a reason to stay with your company. And the only way to do that is investing, getting the people to know each other, bring humans to those relationships, not just a screen away. Okay. So uh, your website is? Just to repeat it. Mindfulchoiceacademy.com. Again, mindfulchoiceacademy.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Christy Garcia, or uh, we've got the Mindful Choice Academy on LinkedIn as well. Well, we have loved being together with you today. We wish you all the best and the good work that you're doing. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. I hope I added value to your listeners today. Of course you did. Yeah, very, (laughs) very interesting and thoughtful discussion. And to our listeners... We are so grateful to be able to associate with you. Thank you for listening in today. It's an amazing group of listeners, of people who are dedicated to working on becoming their best. And there's some really good information today. And as you become your best, you touch everybody else in your life as well. So thank you and wishing you a great day. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.